0: The following message is by Pastor Steve Clark of the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City. More information is available at our website, www.slcevfree.org. Father,
1: well, we are grateful for opportunity to gather here and to sing to you and to ask for a miracle in our singing. We ask that you would reveal your glory through the preaching of your word. We're asking for a miracle that you would take ink on a piece of paper spoken through sound waves from a human being and that you would show us glory. What a remarkable thing that you would do that. Please do it. Don't just tickle your ears. Don't just inform us with truth. But would you show us glory? Would you show us something of your marvelous self? Cause that to be the case. Let us see. In this case, let us see something that is um, a a sweet reality that you have created for us and called us to to live in and to experience the, the family of God. Help us to see that a little bit today, Lord, and to want it more and to be inclined towards it more and and really in it to see just great wisdom and kindness from you. Grace to us. So open up this, this written word here and by your spirit show us Christ and his glory. Thank you, Lord. We trust you'll do that now. Amen. As we've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew, we've seen frequent mention of the kingdom of God. In fact, a couple weeks ago, I began the sermon by talking about and defining that kingdom again because it is so important. And in the middle of chapter 12 there, Jesus was about to lay out yet more information that the kingdom of God is here, that it is here already in him, and that he's the one who reigns over it as the kingdom's king. Very common theme in Matthew, a major way that Matthew is teaching us to think about the people of God and our relationship to each other and to Jesus, kingdom. A major way, but not the only way. So see today at the end of chapter 12, there's another paradigm that fits us also, another way of looking at the people of God. We also are a family. In a kingdom, Jesus is our king, ruling us in authority and power. And certainly that's his rule is for our, our gracious good. It's 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 love to us, but he's king. And we are subjects, or perhaps citizens, beneath him. And while that is for certain true, and that's a major theme in this book, obviously, family is also true, and in family, God the Son, fully God in every way, he has come to earth to become a human in every way, and is a brother to us. That's a little bit different, a little different feel to that. Today's passage is going to get at that. He's, he's a brother to us. The, this family analogy, though, it's, it's, it's flexible. It, it gives us a multifaceted. So you can we can think of other passages that hit on family where maybe Ephesians 5, where Jesus is here as husband to us, all of us, the, the bride of Christ, the church. So there's, there's flex in this family analogy. But here today, chapter 12, he emphasizes brother. That's what we're going to be looking at today. It's a short passage and it's the conclusion to another major section in the Gospel of Matthew. Verses, chapters 11 and 12 have, have been kind of this peace unfolding for us, growing opposition to Jesus, particularly from the Pharisees. But not everyone is against Jesus. Some have heard all that he's been teaching, including the Sermon on the Mount. They, they've heard that. They've, they've seen in it something of his authority and his power and are following him as disciples. There's a little family forming, a family of God, embraced by Jesus. That's what we're going to look at. Let me read verses 46 to 50, the very end of Matthew 12. And as I do that, just just a note about the text. My version, my English version, does not have a verse 47 printed in the text, and said it's down in the footnote. Your, different versions do differently, so yours may have it included there, and you may wonder why I skipped it. Well, it's, it's there in the, in the bottom. The, the issue is that verses 46 and 47 are so very similar that in older manuscripts there's some disagreement as to whether it's just accidentally repeated or if it actually belongs in the text. If you look at it, it doesn't affect the meaning at all. But because the Bible never wants to hide anything from us, it's all printed right there on the page for you to know. But I'm going to read my version, which doesn't have verse 47 in the text, actually. So I'm going to read that and then draw two observations. Matthew 12, beginning verse 46. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. And he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Matthew 12. So two observations, and here's the first one. The family of God is our truest family and therefore requires our highest allegiance. The family of God is our truest family, and therefore requires our highest allegiance. Verse 46, we meet Jesus still speaking to the crowds of people as he has been before. And obviously this is a mixed group. There's on, on one hand, there's the Pharisees who are against him, and on the other hand, there are this large group of disciples who are following him, and, and probably the, the majority of the people are somewhere in the middle, the crowds, Not sure really what to make of him yet. and Evidently, he is in some sort of a structure, teaching, and his mother and his brothers arrive. Now, other Gospels tell us why they came, but Matthew skips all that because he doesn't want to get us distracted. He wants to just keep the focus on just a very simple event that they came, stood outside, and called Jesus to stop his teaching and come talk to them. And they do that expecting that he will, obviously. They have a family claim on him. So, Jesus, come here. And right there we have to deal with something. Who are these mother and brothers? Well, his mother, Mary, obviously. But in the second century, a teaching arose that Mary remained a virgin for her entire life. And so therefore, that was the case, and she had no sexual relations ever. Therefore, she had no other children other than the miraculously conceived Jesus. And when this arose, after that, a, a good number of church fathers taught this. Not all, but, but a good number. And the Catholic Church certainly taught it and still does teach it. It's a very important doctrine to them. Maybe you've heard this. And so as a result, who are these brothers? So it's been suggested that maybe they are his cousins, But for that to fit with other passages that also talk about them, their mother would have been named Mary also. So you would have had two sisters both named Mary. That's a punchline in the old Newhart show. My brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl. It's a punchline because it's ridiculous. A parent naming their child the same name and going by the same name, especially when Mary didn't mean anything. That's not likely. So then some suggest maybe these are Joseph's sons by a prior marriage. Huge problem there though because then the oldest one of them would have been heir to the throne of David. Gigantic point made in chapter one that the firstborn of Joseph is the heir to David's throne. That wouldn't have been Jesus if he had older brothers. So then perhaps the term brother here is meaning Christian brother, spiritual brother, and certainly the word is used that way. But that can't be the case here because these brothers are explicitly set in contrast to the spiritual brothers. The whole point of the passage is that these brothers are not disciples, are not spiritual brothers. That's the whole point. That can't be either. A lot more could be said about that, but the truth of the Bible is in fact not that hard to understand. As we saw in Matthew chapter 1 where it says, Joseph had no sexual relations with Mary until she had given birth to a son. The natural way to read that is, and then afterwards he did. So she had children, other children afterwards often listed with her, even named in the very next chapter of Matthew. These are Jesus' younger blood brothers from his mother Mary. Now, why go into all that? Well, for a really simple point. With all that we've seen so far about Jesus being God the Son and the second person of the one triune God come to earth in flesh, the kingdom's king, full of spirit, the anointed Messiah, yes, for sure true. He's God, fully God. It's also true that he is fully man and he had a natural family that he grew up with. A natural mom and dad, natural siblings. They raised him, they fed him, they taught him to read, they changed whatever of for diapers back then. They, they played with him etc. 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 Like all normal families do, like normal earthly parents do. And Jesus knew that, knew that full well, and also knew full well the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Knew it, believed it, taught it. And then here at this moment, his natural mother and at least two of his natural brothers are here at this house calling him to come out and talk with him. Tell him his mother and brothers are outside and they want to talk with him. They expect him to respond because that relationship, of course, takes precedence over everything else. Blood is thicker than water, right? In verse 48, Jesus replied, Who's my mother? Who are my brothers? Not those waiting outside. Not really, not in the deepest sense. Family relationships, you're right, family relationships do take precedence over everything else. If push comes to shove, for sure, blood is thicker than water. But let's be clear, we define which families we're talking about, and we get the families in the right order. A prioritization of families must occur. We need to get the families in the right order. And stretching out his hands towards his disciples, he said, these ones right here, this is family number one. Here are my mother and my brothers. Family number one. Family is in the right order. Not that the other family, this natural family, is not real. It's just second. Which is why, in expressing the point, if, if you listen to it carefully, maybe wrote it down, I use words of comparison, not absolute words. Truest Family. Not the true family, as if the other natural family is false. Truest family. That is therefore then worthy of our highest allegiance. The other natural family also calls for our allegiance. Our our natural earthly relatives, for sure, do call for our allegiance. But just in second place, the first family, the truest family that Jesus recognizes for himself, is made up of his disciples. And as such, you can work that in reverse too, that's also the case for the disciples. That's our first family too, the family of God. That's our truest family, the one that requires our highest allegiance. That's what Jesus is teaching here. We are family, the truest of families, Christian. Which means what, practically speaking? Well, as we, as we move towards that, the metaphor of family, we have to acknowledge that some of us have had perhaps some bizarre or even terrible earthly experiences of family. And others of us have had excellent experiences. So we're going to be all over the map if we just hear the word family and just think, I know what that means. It's what I lived. Those, those things that we lived, they certainly will inform us, but we have to look at the Bible and see what, what does the Bible say and what kind of guidance does the Bible give us about what family is supposed to be. As we look there, God's word has told us how our natural families are supposed to work. As we read and think about that, catch this. This this is the case with with all things here on on the earth. God didn't notice how our natural families work. and, And then decide that would be a great way of depicting the people of God. It's always the other way around. God had in mind first from eternity past, he had in mind a people of God living not only on into eternity, but, but in particular here on earth. He had that in mind and he intended for us to relate to one another in a certain way and relate to him in a certain way. And then along came natural born kids and parents that he called family. And put us in one and and told us about that so as to teach us this is what I mean for the family of God to be. In other words, as we read the Bible passages and we think about our earthly family, even we experience what we experience in earthly families, we're learning about and hopefully coming to understand God's plan for the people of God. So, what do we find there? We look at the word. Well, we are a community of brothers and sisters and the Bible would exhort us in different places. As we live as brothers and sisters, we, we live in purity with one another. We live as equals with one another. Brothers and sisters are allies of, partners with, urging one another to pursue a, another goal but, but not trying to Fight for position, not, not competitive, not, not like a pack of dogs establishing a pecking order. Animals work that way. Humans are, are siblings, equal, and, and loving of one another and treating one another purely and exhorting one another to press on towards family values and family goals. Under the authority always of a, of a father who is good our father who is in heaven. So, at the same time, while we are all siblings beneath God, some of us are also spiritual fathers and mothers. Older and more mature in the faith. We can see passages about that in the, in the Bible too, right? We, we think about a family, we think about there are mothers and fathers who are, who are more mature, and we are to honor such ones and listen to them, and perhaps even with certain offices given, obey them. Those are the ones, the older and more mature ones, the fathers and the mothers who carry the the responsibility, the greater responsibility of protecting and raising up and equipping the younger and less mature in the family. Teaching them the truth and modeling it while also being careful not to exasperate the younger ones, not to lord over the younger ones or Or give them a burden that is too hard to carry, but being wise and careful with them. Leading them by serving them. Parents and family. So there's simultaneously a great leveling in this family. All are siblings beneath God. And also a God-ordained hierarchy because all are not uniformly gifted, uniformly matured, or uniformly called to positions. So, together as equals, but with order, equals, but with order. That's how an earthly family works, and that's how the family of God is supposed to work. We live then together with order, prioritizing this family. This family. Jesus illustrated it here by by not stopping his work to go out, set that aside, and go out and deal with his natural family. But of course, that's, that's all that he did. He did that just in that, in that moment as an illustration, and it does make the point. But, but here's the truth, of course. I, I struggled as I was working through this section here trying to figure out, what kind of an illustration can I give? What, what kind of point can I make? And every time I came to something, I thought, yes, on the other hand, in other situations, we could do that. Oh, but on the other hand, in other situations, wisdom is required at every step. We can't always say the prioritization, the the highest allegiance means always and only this. It's a hard attitude. And in wisdom, in every circumstance, we're going to have to be making choices, thinking through and carefully saying, what should I do here and now? Jesus made a decision about a particular instance, but that's not always what we should always do in every circumstance. The heart attitude of prioritization is the important point. Family is our priority. This family is our priority for how we use the resources that God has given us our time, our abilities, our money. This family is the priority, its welfare is our greatest concern. This family has first place in our minds and first place in our prayers, in our hearts. The values and the core truths that this family holds, those are the highest aspirations that we hold. What does that mean about any particular choice you might make at any given hour? I don't know. Does that obviously and clearly no-brainer mean that you should be here at family night tonight not necessarily see this is, this is the difficulty I had with making illustration we call it family night and I'm preaching about family duh be here <laughs> maybe unless your kid has a birthday party then maybe it would be appropriate to prioritize in that particular instance your natural family I, I don't know I don't know Maybe you should come and celebrate that, that child's birthday party here with the rest of the church. Maybe you should do that. I don't know. Wisdom is required. But the heart attitude of what's my first priority? What's, what's my greatest longing? It's the aspirations and goals of this place. What, what are my guiding principles? It's the ones of this place. What's my greatest concern? It's the ones of this place. What's the teaching that I hold to? It's not my family. My blood, my blood family, my earthly relatives. It's, it's this place's teaching. truth. This is the greatest and highest priority. The goal of it all, the effect of this highest allegiance to this family, to, to this father, and to these siblings, is that this family then becomes what a family is supposed to be a home. It becomes a nest, a fortress, a classroom, a welcome center. This group, a unified, safe, supportive community of truth and loving grace, of mercy and justice, a home where we do not need to perform to be accepted, where you can walk in there and you can be truly human however you are made warts and all and when you do that you know you will be loved in mercy and welcomed in and also graciously spurred on to likeness loved as you are and loved so not left as you are Help to grow up, spurred on towards maturity, towards godliness. As we grow in that, as we help one another to experience that, that kind of a place, and then we we model that to others and show everybody this, this is what family is meant to be. This is what the people of God is meant to be. This is the home that you were looking for. It's a sweet thing. Now, I, I talk about that, and that, that does not mean that automatically everybody in this family will be best friends with everybody else in this family. If you happen to like football and you're going home this afternoon to watch football, there are others in this church who do not like football. And becoming a Christian did not mean that one of you has got to change. (laughs) That's the way it is. We are who we are. We're, we're, We're made a certain way. We're grown up in a certain way. And and many, many, many of the ways that we are are amoral. And there's nothing guaranteeing any of that's going to change. That, that's fine that it is that way. That's who we are. It also doesn't mean that, that this ideal family of, of this, this place of unified love and, and, and gracious warmth, this, this home, that it's going to happen easily with no difficulties and no tears and no repentance. We are sinners in a fallen world. This will require spiritual work and sometimes it will require awkward and even painful spiritual work as we bring sin to light like only a true family can. Sometimes people hear talk of this family and we think everybody's going to be best buddies or sometimes we think we are going to love, 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 love and not talk about anything wrong. We're going to sweep it all under the rug like that's what families are supposed to do. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. The Bible would tell us that families are supposed to pursue godliness. So sometimes we... For a time, bear with one another in love. But the goal of that bearing with is godliness, not avoidance. Families are a place where you bring out the truth, and in love, you hash it out and grow. That will require work and sometimes pain. But the vision of family is glorious. It is what we all are made to want. We're all made to want. We taste it sometimes in our natural families. We taste it sometimes in in tight-knit communities, maybe at work or in some sort of a life experience. And when that happens, you know that it's sweet, but you also know that earthly families are going to fade. Without the Spirit of God dwelling inside of somebody, you can't ever find a family that is what this family can be. When it's working, it's what makes the church, what's what makes Christian community strangely attractive. What makes Christian community Christian community is not just that we talk about the Bible or pray or do church things. What makes this family a Christian community is that we are this while we talk about everything else. We are this while we watch a football game. We are this while we eat or play in the gym. We are a people who are gracious and welcoming and are in pursuit of the truth all at once. It's a different kind of place. And when that's happening, that stands out because you cannot find that elsewhere in the world. This sort of family allegiance, this sort of, of family unity is a sweet thing it's very different. This truest family with greatest allegiance becomes our sweetest home. That's what Jesus is getting at when he gestures and says, this is my family. So, what do you think? I suspect, for those of us who are Christians here, I suspect that I haven't really said much that's a lot new. Maybe I said something or another in a little different way, maybe, but it probably didn't say much that was very new. Well, the point of this is not actually just just to teach us some things so that we know them; it's really to ask you, what What do you think about your allegiance? What do you think about this collection of people? Do you think of yourself as in a family? What is your posture towards this family? What is your participation in it like? And I, I might have my eye a little bit on, although I hope this doesn't get too specific here, but I might have my eye a little bit on the person who is last in and first out every week, and nobody knows your name. That might be you in particular, but it is, a, it is a sort of Christian. Last in, first out, nobody knows your name. And you're fine with that because really what you view the church as is an education center. And you come to learn some things. Today's a little disappointing because you didn't really learn that much. You already knew that about family. This is not an education center. Oh, sir, we're, we're about truth and learning. Yeah, uh, yes, for sure. But it's not that, really. And if you view this as an education center, I, I, can, I, can, be, I can, frankly, I can skip the singing. I can, if the door wasn't locked at 1045, I'd be here at 11 because the sermon starts at 1105. That's all I'm here for is just to be taught some things. You're missing it. You're missing it. There are others of us, I think, who probably totally get this. They, they, they track with it. You understand it. But really, if, if you were to evaluate your calendar, your, your prayer list, your checkbook, family number one has become family number two at best. And what's really in first place is, is your natural blood relatives your natural blood relatives. That's, I, You probably have an awesome family that I would love to be a part of. If, if that's you, you probably have. That, that's, that's why it's so good. I mean, congratulations. I, I love that for you, um, but it's wrongly ordered. Wrongly ordered. The only family that lasts forever, the only family that lasts forever is the Christian community. All our other families perish. Now, sometimes, blessedly, there's overlap. That's great. Amen. But check yourself what's your priority? What's your truest family? What's your highest allegiance? I realize that sometimes this can be tough because I'm—I'm I'm an introvert. I know I want nothing more every day than to go home. <laughs> Being honest, I—I'm all—I always want to go home. <laughs> And that's that's not wrong in itself. It's wrong if you let it become top priority. But what that means for me and a lot of us in this church are like me. You're kind of saying, I, I hear that, I get that. I have lived around the church though, and I know what the church is. And it is less than what you were talking about. <laughs> Fair enough. The vision is glorious. The reality might not be at the moment. Any given experience might be less than what it should be. Granted. But this is God's plan. And it was Jesus' priority. So there must be, come on, there must be something here that's right there must be something here that we should aspire to, that we, that we should be thinking about and, and pursuing, praying for, trusting him for, seeking him. God, would you change the way my particular community works? Would you change the way our church works if there's something wrong in it that you notice? Would you change the way that we are not what we should be and grow us up into this and use me as part of that? Not and bring me back once it's over. Use me as part of it. Engage with the family. The family of God is our truest family. It's the only one that lasts, and so it should be our highest allegiance. I come to that and I take a deep breath and say, okay, that more calls my heart than stimulates my mind. It calls my heart and says there's a challenge there. Probably needs some heart work to get on board with that. Well, that's kind of what the second point talks about a little bit. So here's the second observation. Those born into the family will bear the fruit of obedience to the Father. Those born into the family will bear the fruit of obedience to the Father. See, we get this here. As we saw in verse 49, Jesus motioned towards the disciples. This is my family. And that gesture obviously would have made a point. But it also obviously would have been a little vague. Because the group of disciples following Jesus at this point, I mean, it's it's a fairly large group, and it changes in size depending on where he is, and people come and people go and people come back. And, and so it would have been very vague, and and it would have been a little more helpful to have something more specific than those people over there. Like what? So he helps us by, in verse 50, putting a little finer point on that, one that is necessary and consistent with so much of what we've already seen in his teaching. These ones are my family, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. If that language sounds familiar... It should because this is at the end of a section, chapters 11 and 12. At the end of the section on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said a very similar thing. Not talking about family, but talking about the kingdom then. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Same point. Different analogy, different metaphor. So who's my family? Not the one who claims it. Not the, not the one who calls me brother, brother, Lord, Lord. Talk is cheap and actually tells you nothing. If you want to know if a person is in the family, if you want to know if you yourself actually are in the family, don't listen to the talk. Don't look around and say, you know, where do I go on Sunday mornings at church? I'm, I must be in the family of God. Not necessarily. Don't look at talk, look at fruit. From verse 33 up above, he he talked about how the tree is known by its fruit. What is inside will eventually come out. Not not when a person is being careful and guarded to, to carefully say or do the right thing, but when you're naturally just letting who you are come out, who you are comes out. So we must be different. We must produce this fruit. This fruit of the family. Whoever does the will of my Father, that one is in the family. Whoever has apples, that one's an apple tree. We we must produce this fruit. The fruit of the family, the obedience to the Father, conformity to what He's like. And right at this point, this point of we must produce the fruit be in this family right at that point every other religion in the world and much that calls itself I'll put this in quote Christian misses something massive we must produce this fruit to be in the family and so everybody else says therefore let's get really clear about what the fruit is and then do it We all over here adopt the religion of Nike. Just do it. What is the will of the Father in heaven? Do it. You want to become an apple tree? Staple on some apples. To steal an analogy from Paul David Tripp. No, that's ridiculous. That's not how it works. You identify an apple tree by the apples, but you don't stick apples onto a maple tree and make it an apple tree. Jesus just said, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. you got to change the heart first. So everybody else, everybody, everybody in the world, you must produce the fruit, the fruit of this family, to be in this family. Therefore, figure out what the fruit is and do it and exhort one another to do it and double down on reinforced penalties and rewards to do it. Just do it. And Christianity alone says, you can't. Make the tree good, and then the fruit will come. Make it an apple tree, then the apples will grow on it. Christianity alone says, there's the requirement. There, there's what you're looking for. You're looking for this fruit. Where does it come from? From a heart that's changed. This is, this is what it's called completely unique about the true biblical Christian faith. There's the required fruit, How do you get it from the prior gracious work of God that changes my heart on the inside and makes me something, makes me a member of the family? I am born again into a family, and then I grow up and exhibit the traits of the family. That's Christianity. This family is sweet and full of blessing, and there's no way to get into it. You were not a part of it when you started there was nothing in any prior existence that, that birthed you into this family. You were not then enacted here in this world as a child of God. You are born in this world, fallen. Now, did God know you from before? Oh, of course. I'm not talking about the doctrine of election I'm talking about other doctrines that other people teach about how we are just placed into this world already as his children. That's not the case. We are enemies of his and alienated from him, not in the family of God. He calls us to come and we run away. The Bible says we are actually his enemies, not his children. We are children of wrath. That's where we start. And then God says, in mercy, I'm going to pursue you. And he sent his one true son to earth to save all who will trust him. It's not here in the passage yet, but it's coming up in the end of this gospel. This son, this one true son, was the only one who ever rightly had fullest allegiance to God, his father. And yet the Father turned his back on him and rejected him and hung him on a cross to die. Why? He hung him there, cursed for the sin of people, not his own, for the sin of people. God the Father did this to God the Son so that he could justly pay for our sin, justly. It's paid for not by us, but by him. We who do not do the will of our Father in heaven but who mourn the fact and say, I need help, Lord, please, he says, look right there, look at the cross where I killed my son for you. Trust in the cross of Christ. Trust in Jesus' death alone. Just trust in Jesus' death alone. That's how you were born into this family. And born into this family then he, ad- he adopts us in, another word used in the Bible, he adopts us into this family and says, I will now come and live inside of you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will shower upon you grace and I will change your heart. I've made the tree new and what will grow there is fruit. Fruit of obedience. We are this family. Created by God through the gospel of His grace, not by works. None of us can boast. We are this family created by God in the gospel of His grace in order to bear the fruit of obedience to the Father. That's how you get in. One final point I need to make, though small one here, but quietly snuck in. He concludes by saying, that one is my brother and sister and mother. The mention of brother and mother makes perfect sense because his mother and his brother are right outside. That makes sense. But Jesus adds in sister, which tells us something interesting. The disciples that he gestured towards at first, those ones, there must have been at least one woman in that large group. Probably more. This passage is the conclusion to the section about rising opposition to Jesus. But there are some who see him and trust him With eyes of faith, and among that group from the very beginning were women. It is easy to get the impression, I have been in plenty of really good churches where you get this impression that the Christian faith is a man's faith and the women are tacked onto the side to help out. It's easy to get that impression. Now, I, I do very much, um, I, I love the men in the church too. So I'm not, I'm not trying to say we should, we should diminish that. In some ways, we, it would be helpful if we enhance the masculinity of the church, but not at the expense of the femininity of the church. To, to lift up the men must not be to, to push down the women. Both The family of God, these beloved ones of Jesus have always included women of equal status with the men right alongside of them. Brothers and sisters alike, not competing. That does not remove, I imagine some people are saying like, that does not remove This, that does not remove an also divinely established hierarchy. We in in this church, we are humbly, confidently, complementarian. If you want to use a theological term. We do believe that there are differences in responsibilities between men and women in the family. But of course, between brothers and sisters in a family, differences are natural and differences are not a source of competition or anger. They're natural and right. We do believe that the the Bible says there is a difference between men and women and the responsibilities they have in the family and in the family of God. But there is no difference at all in our value or standing as citizens of the kingdom, as members of his family. We are equally heirs of the Father. We are equally siblings beneath him with Jesus Who is not ashamed to call himself our brother or to call you his sister the Christian family the Christian faith is about men and women equally disciples of his following him encouraging one another in the pursuit of him filling out the different roles and responsibilities that he has given to us and they are different we are brothers and sisters equally so let me pray Or would you take what was here today and perhaps there are pieces of information to teach us and if so then teach but I think perhaps more it seems there are pieces of information to be checked against our hearts And if so Lord would would you check us? would you examine us? would you cause us to in ourselves or be, be with one another would you cause us to think about priorities and what we value what holds our highest allegiance, how we view each other? Would you please in this family set aside, any sense of competition or any sense of one up, one down, any sense of of judgmentalism. Would you cause us each in this family also to embrace the different roles that we may have as perhaps some more mature, some less, some newer here, some longer here. Help us to fill out rightly what you have for us in this family and then together Brothers and sisters, together, Lord, would you call us into the pursuit of you. You've made us new. Will you bear in us the fruit of obedience that comes from faith? Build your family, Lord. Build the church. Thank you that it is your your plan. Thank you that you're committed to it. Thank you that you'll carry it on into eternity. And thank you for putting us in it. We
0: love you and trust you. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Steve Clark of the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City in Salt Lake City, Utah. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. We invite you to visit our website at www.slcebfree.org.